In a world where we're overmanaged, I've been my philosophy to manage a little less and lead a little more. And at a time of tremendous change, volatility and turbulence, extraordinary times demands extraordinary leadership. And we have far too many managers, far too many followers, and not enough leaders. And here's the most important thing I'm going to say to you and your listeners today. Everybody listening to this program, listening to the show, can be a leader if they choose to be. Nobody makes you a leader. There, as we sit here talking today, there is no degree course in any global university that does leadership. Management, yes, the science, but not the art of leadership. Welcome everyone to the You Unleashed podcast um, with Femi Akiemi, the podcast focused on bringing thoughts, ideas, tips, tricks, frameworks, anything that helps you become the best you can be and release your full potential. This week, I have a special guest with me. He's now a friend of the show officially because he's been before, and it is Rene Cario. Rene speaks with the authority and confidence of the leader who has, been, who has seen and experienced it all, and he draws much from his own unique lived experiences from his executive and non-executive career as a managing director at IPC Media and serving on a variety of boards, including Pepsi and the Inland Revenue. He's worked in many and led many blue chip companies and acquiring a reputation for delivering and inspiring cultural train, change and transformation. He's also witnessed firsthand how many multinational businesses have been leading the way on diversity and inclusion. And he's also the, also the author of the great book called Spike, which is your natural inherent strength, something you're truly great at and using it to elevate yourself. And that's a nice way to segue into what we'll be talking about today. Today, we'll be talking about inclusion, how we can leverage inclusion. But I'm not going to talk much about it. I want Rene to even share a bit more on this. So welcome to the show, Rene. Great to have you. Femi, it's a real privilege and it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm very excited to be here and energized about talking to you and your listeners about inclusion. No, great. I mean, when when I, when I came on, um, it was still Monday morning, um, Tuesday morning. Although it's um, it's Tuesday's Monday because it's yesterday was a bank holiday. I had my coffee, but I was kind of getting into slowly waking up. And as soon as as I as we jumped on the coin, you hit me with the hello. The energy you infused me with just got me all fired up. So um, no, even for that alone, it's worth it for me. So thank you. So last time we spoke, we spoke a lot about spikes. Yes. And so when your team reached out to me and we spoke about inclusion, I thought, how do Rene go from spikes to inclusion? So I think the very first thing is, for you, what is inclusion? Why is it so important? And how did you get from, what's the, what's the journey from spikes to, to inclusion? So look, the, the underlying thread in everything I do and I've been privileged to do is leadership. In a world where we're overmanaged, I've been my philosophy to manage a little less and lead a little more. And at a time of tremendous change, volatility and turbulence, extraordinary times demands extraordinary leadership. Mm. And we have far too many managers, far too many followers and not enough leaders. And here's the most important thing I'm going to say to you and your listeners today. Everybody listening to this program, listening to the show, can be a leader if they choose to be. Nobody makes you a leader. 
There, as we sit here talking today, there is no degree course in any global university that does leadership. Management, yes, the science, but not the art of leadership. Why is that? Is that because it's a heart issue or what, what is it? It's, historically, you can measure management. Management is all the things you can measure, you can touch. It's the task, it's the KPIs, it's your activities, it's your balance scorecard. It's all the things, if you don't do them, you go out of business tomorrow. All the things that prevent failure, but don't necessarily enable success. It's leadership that enables success. And when I say leadership for the purposes of today, it's having, moving your people or energizing your people towards your vision. That's my definition of leadership. Okay. Purpose, vision, people, teams, culture. Purpose, vision, people, teams, culture. It's the EQ to the IQ of management. Management is the hardware, leadership is the software. Mm. And every single one of us can be a leader if we choose to be. It's not a job title, it's not a rank, it's not a qualification, it's a mindset, it's an attitude. It doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter what rank you are, it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter what your job title is. Every single one of us can be a leader if we choose to be. That's true, but... Is it not true as well that when you're when you have the title of leader, it gives you a bit of confidence, um, a bit more bullshitness, confidence to 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 act the path a bit more? It might do, but we shouldn't need that or wait for that. First story. Mm. We decide to have a social evening. And we ask David to organize a pizza evening for the whole team. David goes around, he's got a couple of weeks to organize it, and when we go to the pizza evening, hardly anyone's turned up. So the next month, we ask Sheila to organize the pizza evening. When we turn up, nearly everyone's turned up. What's the difference? Sheila can influence and persuade the two base skills of leadership, two base capabilities. If you want to start on the leadership journey, learn how to influence and persuade. Pause in your own style and manner. Sheila was able to convince everyone, even those who didn't want to go, to turn up. David wasn't quite able to do that. We are talking leadership. You do not need to be managing director to do what I've just described. Every single one of us can influence and persuade us. The, the best leaders in the world are the ones who can convince those who don't want to go on this journey to come on it and be energized and be positive about it. And if you wanted the, the example of today, Zelensky. Zelensky in Ukraine every day does a broadcast and he's managed to unite a divided nation to energize them and to bring the majority of the world behind him on his vision for Ukraine. What's the capabilities bringing? He doesn't have a job title that's going to impress anyone from America or Spain or Ghana. He influences and persuades with conviction, with compassion. It's not authority, to your point about job title. It's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Brilliant. So no, that makes sense. Get the other point, you asked a really good question. How do you go from spike to inclusion? Very, very simply. What Spike said, every one of us is brilliant at something, but no one yeah. is brilliant at everything. Let's focus on the few things we're brilliant at, and that's our career accelerator. 
instead of trying to be average at everything, let's be fantastic at two or three things. And let's start with our natural gifts and go from there. Yeah. Where inclusion gets us is now that I know what I'm brilliant at, I need to find an environment that's going to enable me to be my authentic self, to be to have a voice, to be able to contribute in an environment that's enabling me. I don't have to go and fit in. I can bring my authentic self to my place of work and I'm going to thrive. So now I know what my gifts are, what my spikes are, I'm now looking for an environment which is going to enable me to really thrive by being my authentic self. And I would say that's what the best leaders are doing today. That's what we're coaching. That's it. So one is you find your spikes, then next is find an environment where you can thrive. So that's yeah. inclusion. So inclusion is the act of, of, is it about really integrating yourself into the external environment so you can you can shine your know, best working with yeah, other people? It is for me, it definitely is, but I would say it's a little bit more. It's we now need to be discerning about the mm. places we deploy our capability. There was a time when I remember when I started my career, I left university. I spent 10 years at Marks and Spencer's. I didn't know at the time that at 8.30 every morning, I parked my personality at reception. I went up to my place of work and I became the person Marks and Spencer needed to be, need to be until 6.30 when I picked up my personality and went home. I had mm. to fit in. Otherwise, I wouldn't be there. And I dressed differently than I did at home. I spoke differently than I did at home. I even laughed differently than I did at home. It was that controlling, and I didn't know what I was sacrificing. I didn't know the high price I was paying to fit in. Today, I'm not prepared to do that, and there's a generation that's not prepared to do that. But, but why, why is that? Because presumably, you you could still be the per. You could still you knew your gift and talent. You could still use them within that environment. So. I'm not sure I'd agree with that. I think, okay. I think that's one of our biggest issues. I think there's been a time when we've had to forsake who we really are. And let me, most of all, women. Where we see this most acutest is women. You need to speak a bit, bit louder. You need to be a bit yeah. more assertive. You need to get your elbows out. You need to become a man is what they're really saying. You need yeah. to be more an alpha male. You need to, hang on a minute, pause. How about the gifts I've got and the strengths I bring naturally? Why do I need to conform to a model to make you comfortable? Yeah. Why don't you just judge me on what I produce? Not the way I do, mm. but what I produce. And yes. we're living in a world now, so if I go back 10 years ago, Femi, in every single business, at the top of it was the cleverest man in the room, and I choose my words carefully. They made every decision, they called every shot, they solved every problem. And life had been like that for over 100 years. But the world was slow enough that one person could make all those calls. About five years ago, with the advent of technology everywhere, the world just became too fast, too complex, and multifaceted for one person to do it on their own. We had the team. You had to collaborate. What we've seen post-pandemic is the biggest change I've ever seen in leadership, where my, my workforce, my colleagues, are no longer in the same building. They're no longer in the same time zone. They're no longer in the same continent. 
They're no longer, some are working from home, some are, I can't see my people most of the time. So therefore, I have to change who I am and how I behave as a leader. My role as a leader is to create an environment where everyone can flourish and thrive, no matter what their background, no matter where they are. Role model, Zelensky. So, inclusion. What are we doing wrong with inclusion then? The biggest thing we see at the moment everywhere is we say diversity and inclusion. We start with diversity. So most organizations, most groups, most football teams, most environments, the first thing they try and do is get people from different, more people from different backgrounds, which is a good thing. But they bring to an environment which isn't set up for their success. And even though we've got people from very different backgrounds coming in, we're not helping them to succeed. The same old frameworks, the same old culture, the same old homogenous frameworks doesn't enable people who are different to thrive. No, it doesn't. So what we're seeing is do inclusion first and then do your diversity. Create an environment where anyone can flourish. Now bring people from different backgrounds together. Okay. So, so, but that, 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 that makes sense. So, and I want to drill down. So that's what the organizations could do. What can we, so a lot of us are now in, what can we do to drive this change? What can we do to force the conversation to make, to be, I don't want to say force, but how can we make it happen? Inclusion. Look, and I think you make a great qualification. Force is not the way. Having a big confrontational fight is not the way. We've not seen that change work, become sustainable or sticky. What we would say is inclusion means everyone. Absolutely everyone, no one left out. Race, faith, gender, everything. All of us together. The world changes when every single one of us counts. Every single one of us matters. Every single one of us has a voice. Every single one of us can get to the top. Every single one of us has a place. So the first thing that we can all do, learn to speak up, learn to speak out, learn to be present. There are no innocent bystanders anymore. To bring this inclusive world, every single one of us, no matter what our ethnicity, no matter what our gender, we have a voice fighting for this inclusion. And the fight, the battle that we will do, which is positive and it's for everyone, is to leave the right legacy so our kids don't have to go through what we've had to go through. Now we're getting into the meat of this, and I love this. So speak out. I struggled for a long time in my career to speak out. So I'd be in a meeting. I'd be the only black person in the room. I'd be with CEOs. I'd be with leaders. And I'd, 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 I'd have an idea. I'd put it out there. But then somebody would challenge me, and I wouldn't have the conviction to press on. And then I'd slink into my shell. And I spoke to managers. He said, Femi, you've got lots of great ideas, but you never speak up. When you get put, when you get a pushback, you slink in. And this is something I know happens to a lot of us because we feel we're the only ones in the room. We feel we can't afford to get it wrong. There's a pressure where you feel if I get it wrong, I'm out. I don't want to seem silly. And that causes a lot of us to hold back sometimes from speaking up. So how do we overcome these fears, these barriers and being able to speak up? So look, I'm sorry you had to go through that, and you're not the only one. There are many of us. I felt the same thing when I was com coming up. And it's not just black people. Let's be very clear. 
Women have gone through that. People of different yeah. races, people of different faiths. It's, it's a homogenous environment where usually male, white, middle-aged, middle-class fight exaggerate a bit to make the point. Mm. If you don't fit that model, it's, you're going to find it tough. Wholly inappropriate, wholly wrong. The world has changed, but not enough. We now need to be part of that change. Something happened with George Floyd that I would never have predicted. I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime. I never thought I'd see people of all races and backgrounds marching in the street for the sake of something that's happened many times before an innocent black man was killed. It's, this is not new news. It's happened many times. But the yeah. ripple effect of what I've seen, and we have to remain optimistic and positive about this, We've seen the biggest change I've seen now is people aren't leaving the onus on the individual. You need to change in order to fit into the environment. We're starting to fix the environment, not the individual. And I spend all my time coaching chief executives to fix their environments so everyone can flourish in that environment. What we need to do in the short term is we've got to stop applying for positions in places where the environment has not been fixed. So we're walking straight into an environment where we can't succeed. There was a time where we didn't have any option but to do that. The options are beginning to emerge. And we've got to be brave enough to talk about what's not right about the environment. One of of my clients at the moment, I've got a recent story, just recently I'm... This was Unite Students, Chief Executive Richard Smith. Richard was affected really deeply by sitting on sitting at home, nine minutes, 29 seconds, George Floyd is sitting with his two sons. They None of them could talk, they could hardly breathe, and they watched the full nine minute, 29 seconds, and it wrecked him. He lives in Bristol, the head office is in Bristol. He found himself going to bed and couldn't sleep. At five o'clock in the morning, even though the offices were locked down, he found himself driving into work. When he drove into work, he opened up the building, he had the keys, sat down at his desk, there's no one else in, and a stream of consciousness from the night before, he starts to write an email. Before he knows it, his press sent, it's gone to the 5,000 employees of United Students. And it was everything that affected him about sitting there watching the most horrific nine minutes, 29 seconds he'd seen covered on TV. He even put his mobile number on the end of it because he was just so moved. There was no HR, internal comms or anyone to filter it. He just pressed the button, it's gone to 5,000 employees. One of them is Denzel. Denzel's of Afro-Caribbean descent. Denzel's 55 years old, he's worked for the company for 27 years. He works in security in Huddersfield. He read an email he never thought he would read from the chief executive of his business. He decided to call the number. Richard answered. Denzel was on the phone. Denzel was having a conversation he never thought he'd have in his career with the chief executive. The chief executive was having a conversation with Denzel, which probably would never happened in his career. As they had their conversation, Denzel thanked him for sending out the first note ever read that acknowledged who he was and made him feel as though he counted. 
When they finished their conversation, Richard said to him, well, is there anything I can do for you? Don't said, no, not really. They said, there's one thing, actually. I work in security. And every morning, I have to pick up the keys. There's a master key and there's a slave key. And every day, I say to my colleagues, I just have a real problem with the word slave. But they tell me it's trivial, I've got to get over myself. It's not trivial to me. And I'm not getting over myself. Every day, it causes me an issue. Richard listened. He said, Denzel, with immediate effect and from this moment, it's primary key and secondary key. I will send a note out today to the whole organization. They both pause. They both have had a conversation that naturally would probably never have happened. Richard realized the chief executive I need to go and listen to and talk to people who aren't like me in my business. Denzel realized I need to speak up and not be so reticent to say what I really feel. In that moment, both of them learned a little bit more about inclusion. Both of them realized they both have a part to play. We all have a part to play. Denzel, we admire him and applaud him for his courage and his bravery. Richard, for confronting something that had been sat there, was no longer, wasn't trivial to Denzel, therefore it should be trivial to the chief executive. And it wasn't. Yeah. We can drive change. We can drive change. No, that, that is a poignant and very affecting story that I think shows when a leader is looking to create the environment, it's as simple as that, as creating the environment as well. As well. That small step has created an impact. I wanted to ask a question very quickly. I know it will change Richard and it will change Denzel. Exactly. The more we interact positively and with optimism, now sometimes it misfires. That's okay. Keep going. Sometimes it doesn't get where you want it to get. That's okay. Keep going. Our role is never ever give up. This change is not just for us; it's for all of us, and it's for our next generation. Yeah. Yeah. How do we then know organizations that have environments that have been fixed? Very good. Great question. So before we ever take any assignment with any business, I always ask to just give me 30 minutes sitting in your reception. 30 minutes. Can you repeat that? 30 minutes sitting in your reception on my own. I'm just going to go and sit in the reception. And I'm going to see who comes through, what, how, what does it feel like, and I'm going to talk to some people. I'm going to talk to some employees. I'm going to talk to some ex-employees. I'm going to talk to some suppliers. Suppliers are great to talk to because they normally have been treated really badly. And they're going to tell you what it's really like. But watching who comes through, especially the most senior people, gives you a clue about the prevailing culture. And sometimes, if I exaggerate a little bit to make the point, I've seen the leader come through where they're staring at their mobile phone, reading email messages that never should have been sent to them. They've got no time for anyone. They race through. They get in the lift. There's people in the lift. No, everyone's holding their breath because they've got no eye contact for anyone. Don't speak to anyone. That tells you about a particular culture. Then there's a different culture where when the senior people come in, they happen to know the first names of the people that work in reception. Nadia, how's your son's graduation? David, how was the bar mitzvah? And it may take them 15 minutes to get through reception. But they're doing more than walking through reception. 
Yeah. This is culture. This is values. Now, I've made an exaggeration of a simple point. You're not going to go and look at the profit and loss account. You're not going to go and do the due diligence on the balance sheet. What you are going to do is what is the culture? Remember, every culture is unique in every business. And my definition of culture, the way we get things done around here. So how, what is the collective emotional intelligence of that organization? Yes. Which, which is driven by the leader at the top. Yes, and, but you need to go and feel it. You won't read it. Mm. Go and feel it for yourself. By you walking into reception, you've done the best dummy run, the best trial pilot you could ever do. How are you greeted? Or how are you ignored? Or how are you confronted? Or how are you embraced? It starts to get real. The interview is a fabricated process. Wandering up and just coming in on your own, you may get the most pleasant surprise or you may get the reason why you shouldn't be there. And most of all, speak to an ex-employee. Someone who's been there and thrived or someone who's been there and it wasn't such a great experience. And most of all, talk to someone who's like you. Yeah. So we we need to start becoming more, more... It's a two-way street. We need to be more confident about our value, what we bring to the table, and making sure we only we don't cast our, our, our pearls to the to the swine, as they say. We we make sure where we're going is an environment we can thrive. Fabulous that point. Is Fabulous. Fabulous. What we see in all the work we do around inclusion, we're privileged to work at the top of the house. So we work with the chief executives. The biggest gap we see is not ethnicity, it's not gender, it's generations. Generations is the big yawning gap. There's a generation now that will speak up and speak out no matter what. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the things we're talking about, they do that anyway. Is this an environment where I'm going to thrive? And they'll ask you in the interview. They will ask in the interview. I've sat there, being the independent person at the interview, listening to them, and they'll ask questions that I never thought we had the permission to ask. And for some of us, it's so ingrained in us, we probably might never get there because it's so ingrained in us. So therefore, um, we need the coaching. We need the yeah. mentoring. Yeah. You know, and it's an, an interesting point for us here is I've yet to see anyone achieve their full leadership potential without the intervention of a mentor. I've yet to see it. Yet 37%, only 37% of us have mentors. What are you waiting for? Now, here's the only stats I'm going to use in our chat today, right? Mentees, the person receiving the mentoring, receive a 16% career acceleration. This is from Harvard University, November of last year. Receive a 16% career acceleration. The mentor, the person providing the wisdom and the support, gets a 53% career acceleration. Right, I've got your attention. Why? They learned, especially if the mentee is different to them. The mentor learns to walk in someone else's shoes. The mentor learns to listen in a different way. The mentor learns to create a psychologically safe environment where the mentee can speak up. The the mentor learns to lead and manage in a very different way, in a more sympathetic way, in a more sophisticated way in a manner that brings out the best of the person they're 
that's with them. They start to take leaps and bounds as a leader. So here's a tip, a lesson for everyone on our call today. Go find yourself a mentor. Just as important, go find yourself a mentee. The two of those will accelerate your career. Be a giver and, and, and be a giver, but also learn to receive. And re- do both with grace. Grace. And, you know, there was a time when all the advice I ever used to get was on, on the way up, trying to make a mark is find yourself a mentor who looks like you, comes from the same background as you. Great in theory. But at the time I was looking at those of my vintage, there were no senior black executives. There were no senior black directors. And what I found in my career, the most helpful, the most productive, the mentors I remember most are those who weren't like me. They weren't really not like me. They showed me how to manage that relationship. They showed me how to, they took away my fear. They took away my imposter syndrome. They took away, they made me believe I could. They took me off my knees. They made me realize that all the times I put my hand up and pulled it back down just in case they chose me. They let me know if I knew the answer, put that hand back up. And when when they choose you, you're not going to choke. You're going to answer with pride. You're going to answer with strength. You're going to answer with confidence. They taught me that. They showed me that. And now what I do is everyone I try to mentor and make a difference to, their faith, their ethnicity is irrelevant. As long as I've got someone who wants to make a positive difference to our world with an inclusive attitude, I'm going to give you all the support I possibly can. We are stronger together. You're stronger together. Thank you for that. The other point you mentioned was be present. Do you want to? Do you want to shed a bit on that? Being present. We live in a world where there are no innocent bystanders anymore. I don't care what the incident is. Next story. Another chief executive I'm coaching. He's travelling on a bus with his seven-year-old daughter. It's a double-decker bus, and at the top of the bus, there's an elderly black woman sitting at the front near the window, on her own. Surrounded by four young white louts, kicking off, misbehaving. Nobody says a word. They start shouting, they start screaming, they're starting to get aggressive towards her. She takes her handbag, puts it on the seat next to her, separating herself from the four young men who are now getting out of control. Nobody says a word. It's now getting toxic, it's getting nasty, it's getting racist. She's petrified as they're leaning over and shouting at her. Nobody says a word. His seven-year-old daughter is travelling with, breaks away from his arms and runs down the bus. She stands and confronts those four young men. Leave her alone. You're horrible, you're racist, you're nasty. Leave her alone. At the next bus stop, The young men jump off the bus. She goes back to her dad. I'm coaching her dad. In front of his executives, he tells that story. He's the chief executive. He tells that story. When he finishes telling the story, he says to him, 
If you were in that situation, what would you have done? They challenge you back. If it happened to you again, what would you do? Two important bits of research. So, Femi, let, let me share a story with you. Um, I received a phone call from Buckingham Palace, would you believe? And the shock of all shocks, that for some unknown reason, they're thinking of awarding me an MBE. And they say, look, the Queen's going to be available on this date. We'd like you to be there. And in my immaturity, I said, I can't make that date. And he, I, what I say now is just so crazy. They said, well, I, said well, I've, I need to be in Gambia. There's a funeral and I'm the oldest son. So I've got to do the eulogy. And I could hear him when his hand covered on the phone saying to everyone in there, he says he can't make it. And they all start laughing. I was honestly, I can't make it. Anyway, they're going. They come back and they said, right, we've got another date. So I go with my children. We go to Buckingham Palace. And I realise when I get there, there's only me and Tim Henman, the professional tennis player. Everyone else has been done. There's just me. So I know we're not going to get the Queen. We're going to get some someone else. Whoever's available is going to come and see to us. And we were told all the things to say and not to say. And don't, don't speak to the Queen. Just get, don't speak to anyone. Just get in and get in. Would you believe it? It was the Queen. So even though there's two of us, it's the Queen. It was a story of duty, of service. Me and Tim didn't matter, but she was there. Anyway, Tim gets in. He's in and out. And I go in. And we're, I can hear it ringing in my head. Don't take any time. Don't speak to her. Just move on out. And at the time, I was presenting a BBC TV series. And she looked at me and she looked up. She said, haven't I seen you before on TV? And I say to her, you know, I was going to ask you exactly the same question. And she burst out laughing. And I could hear everyone around me saying, I told you not to speak to her. She was charming. We had a great conversation. And I left. And I probably spent more time talking to her than anyone else who's ever had the reason to go up into. And speaking of legacy, we lost the Queen. For many of us, it was the only, only head of state we know here in the UK. And I just remember that time, 2004. She turned up just for the two of us, had the time for us to have a conversation, and remembered me by face off the TV, having a laugh, and just making me feel, for those few minutes I was with her, I was the most important person in her world at the time. So the legacy I want that's been given to me and to everyone else, if we just do two things, every one of us do two things, we can change the world to make it a better place. Look out for each other, look after each other. No matter who you are, whoever's near you, Look out for each other, look after each other. We will make this world a better place for everyone. And if we all do it together, you just watch how fast that change can be. I love that. And this is something I know is consistent in your messaging. The last time we spoke, that was what you left me with. It was during COVID and you said, look out for each other, look after each other. That was the exact message. And that seems to be something that sits... I sense that at the core of all your messages, yes. loving, caring about each other is really, really what you're about. It's To all my brothers, to all my sisters, 
Brilliant. So I know when we started this, I was I, 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 one of the things I spoke about was a lot of our audience are based in countries like Nigeria, but also a lot of them have emigrated to Canada, to the United States, to England, to and inclusion is a challenge I know a lot of them are going to face. They've left Nigeria, Ghana, wherever they are, and they've moved abroad. Other than these, are there any practical things you, for some of them who's suffering that culture shock going into the workplace of different culture? Do you have any guidance, advice for them that would help them acclimatize, assimilate, or just blend in better and and um, blend into their new so, environment? Yes, I, I do. And look, let's let's understand the history of migration of our peoples. This is not new; it's old. My parents, mm. who were lots of us are parents, who made sacrifices from the old British colonies. And my story is not a story that's different for many. Where my parents, in Gambia, where I was born, to a Senegalese mother and a Gambian father. And we had primary education, we had secondary education, but we didn't have tertiary. We had no colleges, we had no universities. If my parents had stayed in Gambia, my mother would never have worked. They would be middle class. But they sacrificed their livelihoods, sold everything, went on the trip to London, which was the mother country then. We were a British colony then. And their dream was to get their kids educated, get degrees, go back home and live happily ever after. The time they went to London, London was the most expensive city on the planet, which meant they had access to not the best housing with their life savings which meant access to not the best schooling. I was lucky enough to get to university. Therefore, there's a burden of responsibility there. And we all share this burden. What can we do for others and each other? The way our parents did. If they didn't come together, they could not have been. At a time when the world was way more hostile to them than it is for us today. Yet they managed to leave us a legacy that's given us an opportunity. Yeah. Let's just understand, no matter how hard it is for us, it's nowhere near as hard as it was for them. Yeah. So therefore, it's, I think it's our responsibility, our honour and our privilege to do a little more than our parents were able to do. With a different mindset and a different horizon and a different tapestry, it's now we can make a mark. We've got talent's not our issue anymore. Opportunities are our issue. We've got talent now, but we need to believe we've got that talent. And if so, stop settling for second best. Let's hold out and find the right environment that's going to appreciate what we bring and who we are. It's not just being needed, it's being wanted. And when we find those two things in equal measure, we're, we're in a place where we deserve to be. And believe you me, if I look at all the chief executives I'm coaching at the moment, it's unbelievable how many of them have the right intent around inclusion. They're clumsy. They're still not perfect, nowhere near. But if I look at the environments which I worked in and I managed to thrive in, I look at the environments of today. They are a different class. Are there barriers? Yes, nothing like they used to be. So let's just wrap up our courage. 
Let's really believe in ourselves. Let's really support each other. Let's push each other to be the best that we can be. And let's not allow any barriers, no matter how low, no matter how high, stand in our way. And the message for all of us is when we come together, we're unbeatable. If you're bold, you might fail. If you're not bold, you will fail. Time to be bold. Brilliant. Quick question for you. How do you wrap up your courage? Personally speaking, what, what, what tips do you, how do you wrap up your courage? In those moments you're low, what do you do to embolden yourself and just give yourself that boot up to sort of get that confidence back? What do you do for yourself? I have a son and a daughter. And they fear so much less than I ever did. They don't see any door that they don't deserve to walk through. They hope someone's going to open the door for them. They're not going to wait for them. They're kick it down. They're going through that door. And what they say to me is, because of you, what you did, you went through, what you suffered, no one's doing that to us. And because of the environment we've been able to create for them, they're not waiting to be invited. In fact, they're more likely to turn down an invitation if it's not right for them. And so I'm seeing a natural progression. And I've learned a load from my parents. I'm learning so much more from my children about courage, self-worth, self-esteem. And they say, Dad, stop being so patient. Dad, stop being so understanding. And I watch the energy they approach things with. They're not asking for permission. They know they deserve to be there. They don't need, they don't need permission. None of us need permission. Yeah, and, and that, that's a good point because for a lot of us, we're looking for, we're, looking for, we're looking for permission from others to tell us we're great. Authorization to proceed. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Everyone on this call, if you need authorization to proceed, I've just authorized you. You've got it. Renee you staff of approval. You are good enough. You are more than good enough. So as we, as we sort of bring this to a close, what's your, so when we talk about, I know you're passionate about inclusion. If you wanted the people to take away one thing on inclusion, what is your big thing that you want them to talk about? Is there, is there anything you wanted that you haven't said? Yes, you I, want would to say, about inclusion? I would say the art of inclusion is so much more powerful than the science of diversity. We, or every single one of us, should be practicing inclusion. And we've got, let's be clear here, and here's, here's a little push for our collective listenership. We have some issues that we need to deal with. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We are not the, so we've got the privilege of coaching the chief executive, the managing director of GCB Bank, Ghana Commercial Bank in Accra. So every month I'm out in Accra, I'm coaching them and their lead team. And they're, and I'm very, very, very pleased to say within nine months of the coaching, he's been named Chief Executive Banker of the Year for Ghana. And I'm sure it's only accidental that we're coaching him, but it's, it's worth <laughs> slipping into the conversation. But when I look of my homeland and all of those ex-British 
English-speaking places. We have some issues that we need to sort out. We are demanding to be included. Let's include others as well then. You know, we have some blind spots. We need to stand up and address those. As much as we fight our battle to be recognised, to be included, to have a voice, to be present, to be given the chance, let's just reflect and do that for every one of our brothers and sisters. They may not look like us. They may not pray like us. They may not worship like us. They may not live like us. They are one of us. If we can do that, we're all brothers, we're all sisters. And inclusion starts at home. Excellent. Thank you very much. What next for Rene on the on what, what next for you these days? Because I know um, any any books coming or any major plans? Yeah, we, we, we've just I've just been speaking to a few publishers. We've got a book coming. Um, working title: um, Your Heritage Is Not Your Destiny. Oh, that's powerful. I'm looking forward to that. We've got to get you back for that. We've got to get you back because. And heritage is deep. You've got a lot to unpack there. Um, I'll be unpacking. <laughs> hey, Femi, fabulous to talk to you again, man. You're doing, keep on doing what you're doing. It's not just important, it's vital. Thank you. Thank you. So you all heard it there from Renee. Inclusion is very, very important. First, you know, you need to know your spikes. What are your strengths? What are you good at? But then next is about finding the environment where those strengths will thrive because then that's when you start to make it uh, take it to the next level but then how do you have inclusion well it's about speaking out gather the courage it's about being present it's about leaving a legacy in this podcast we've gone deeper into how you can do these things they're not easy but they're doable and then they share some great stories that can help you unleash the power of inclusion for yourself because let's be clear it starts with us we need to stop looking for permission from others to feel included we have to start creating that, that, those environments. And when we see an environment that doesn't include us, don't be afraid to not go there and go where you're honored, where you're welcomed, where you're appreciated. It takes one, one, one place at a time, one person at a time, but we will get there. And as Rene tells me, we're waiting for Moses, but he's not coming anytime soon. Be your own Moses and seek inclusion. Thank you, Rene, for coming. It's been a pleasure as usual. We've learned a lot. And we are looking forward to your heritage, not your destiny. I do not want to miss that. So everyone, keep following Rene on the usual um, social media platforms and his website. He's always got amazing insight with stories that I love to share. So thank you, Rene. And everyone, get unleashed and stay unleashed.